Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. On this week's episode of Damsels in the DMs. I guess the big lesson is you really don't know where life is going to lead you. Like every time I felt like I was disappointing myself and failing, it's led me to where I'm ultimately supposed to be. So those moments of like, this is shameful, I'm failing, have ultimately gotten me to a place that have been so exciting and interesting and cool and where I've grown as a person. This message is intended as a reminder that we are not licensed professionals, not psychiatrists or psychologists. If you have a serious problem, please seek professional help. The National Suicide Hotline is 1-800-273-8255. That's 1-800-273-8255. There's some damsels in the DM. Yes, queen. <laughs> tell us what's the vibe. Uh, what's the vibe? There's some damsels in the DM. Yeah. Please tell us what's the vibe. DMs, DMs, yeah, we see them, yeah, we read them. DMs, DMs, we don't need them, we just leave them. Please, yeah. It's going down in the DMs. Bye. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Damsels in the DMs. I'm Lauren. And I'm Alejandro. Hello, hello. Oh my goodness, the energy is so vibrant. Mercury retrograde, everything with the full is moon. Is Mercury in retrograde right now? I think it's like coming out of it at this point. Okay. But yeah, great, it's been great news. productive momentum. How is the momentum going for you? Well, Columbia just went back to school this week. And so yeah. we had our, our week of criticism. It's literally called Crit Week, or Criticism Week. And you know, I took some blows to the old ego this week. It it took me on a bit of an emotional journey. And I mean, as we know, in this career that we have chosen for ourselves, you get to deal with rejection all the time. I wouldn't oh, yeah. call this rejection because obviously it's not like I was auditioning for a part or something. I was having my film criticized. But, you know, making a film is a very vulnerable position to be in. And acting in some of my friends' projects is a vulnerable position to be in. So it was nerve wracking, like before being criticized. And then, um, you know, some like, what, what, how do they say it? It's not like to put salt in the wound. Oh, I have to lick my wound. So, you know, I'm getting over the licking of the wounds. But that's so cool to be put in a position where you are put in a vulnerable space, but also getting like really valuable feedback on work that's really important to you. Yeah. That sounds amazing. That's you're right though. It is. Yeah. It's kind of like, uh, how, how much torture do we put ourselves through? My yes. goodness. <laughs> but it's all rewarding yeah. in the end. Because I mean, like, you're still getting fresh eyes and important feedback on important work that you're bringing to fruition. So yeah, yeah it's, a, it's a yes licking of a wound situation, but at least you're healing and creating that positive momentum. Right. Like what I will say is like when we did our project Defining Dodo, The thing is, like, you put it into the world and you don't have any harsh eyes on it to tell you, like, what's great about it, what isn't great about it, what could you work on? And I will say, like, having harsh eyes on it, even though it hurts in the moment, it does, like, make you have to do an honest analysis of it before you send it into the world, which I will say is useful, at least when you're doing your projects without the criticism on it. Like, (laughs) you don't know. You go in blind to, to what's wrong with it or not. So. Absolutely. It's a double-edged sword. And I feel like we've had a lot of conversations about 
how like you know even if you get really tough criticism or constructive feedback there there's always an opportunity to make things better so yes. you know in the initial pain points that we may experience you know we're always going to come out of it on the other side learning something to Definitely. improve upon what we were already building which is so similar to sam our guest i feel like this conversation this episode is so special because you know we get another perspective on being as adaptable as possible and really utilizing experiences and conversations from a previous project to then make a new experience or new project even better than where it started right Absolutely. And Sam started out as a casting associate, working her way up in casting, and then decided to become an audition coach to work directly with actors. And you can just see through her warmth and sensitivity that she knows the craft through her experience in casting, and she knows what the studios and producers, directors are looking for to hire. But because of her deep empathy and understanding of the way that the actor's psyche works, she can really implement that into such an effective way when she's coaching these auditions. And I feel like, you know, as actors, we don't often get to see that side of an acting coach and how they got to be where they are. So I think this episode is really special for anybody who's in the entertainment industry or not. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because I think those transferable skills as far as how we present ourselves are not only relevant in an audition tape or in front of an acting coach or director. You know, it's really exciting to see how any industry it becomes valuable. I mean, I'm, I was talking to someone recently about um, a bunch of interviews that they were doing. So this these skills of presentation, of confidence, are so relatable uh, across any sort of industry. I'm, I'm excited for listeners to really tune in and take away some valuable tools that she's sharing. All right, well, let's get into it. Let's get onto it. Fantastic. How are we feeling? Oh my goodness, Sam. Hello, hello, hello. hello. Such a treat hello. to have you. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good to be here. Thank you for coming on. I'm so excited. Yeah, of course. Let me just jump in, Sam, to say that we have been seeing your videos all over social media, especially out here during the strike when it's such an uncertain time. Your videos have been giving actors a lot of solace, and we're very grateful to you for doing all of that and for just making everything that's happening, um, you know, putting it into layman's terms so that people can just have a little bit less fear during this time. So I want to thank you for that. And then if you could just walk us through a little bit about your journey from starting in casting. I saw recently you posted your old headshots, so maybe even an acting background, just to leading us to where you are today. Yeah, I did. I uh, grew up doing musical theater and was sure that was where I was going to end up. I went and got a BFA in musical theater, studied Shakespeare in the UK, moved out to LA thinking, you know, I'm going to be an actor on film and TV easy peasy, not knowing a thing about the industry at all, which I think is a huge problem with conservatory programs. Even today, I have a lot of clients coming straight out of conservatories who can Meisner the shit out of a scene, but don't know a thing about the way the industry works. And I think that's a huge fault of these programs. Hmm. And that's what happened with me, right? I felt really confident in my skills, but sat around for three years, not knowing what to do. Somehow I managed to get myself an agent and a manager, went on a few auditions, but most of the time I was sitting around twiddling my thumbs. And I don't mm -hmm. have that go-getter personality if it's about me. 
if I have to do any version of self-promotion, I'm not good at it. I won't tell you what I am great at. So I just, it wasn't the right career for me. And ultimately I had that sort of really hard conversation with myself about like, look, however good or not good you are, no one's going to find you in your living room. And I had to decide that I was going to quit acting, which I think is a really shitty position to be in. I think there's a lot of shame surrounding people who leave. And I knew I wanted to stay in the industry. I wanted to stay creative. I just didn't know what that meant. And I sort of bounced around to a lot of different areas of the industry and ultimately got really lucky and found casting. I found this incredible internship at a really, really busy casting office where I got to do everything. I learned casting from the ground up. And it's such a rare opportunity that you get to do that. I would wait tables all night work there all day and then sort of clawed my way up in casting until I landed as a casting director at a really busy office and was there for a few years. And then there were certain aspects of casting that I didn't love. So I wanted to extract what I loved about it, which was working individually with actors. And I put that out there to agents and managers and they were really, I was really lucky that they supported me and I've sort of grown my um, coaching business the same way that I grew all the other areas of my life. Um, and now I'm really lucky that I'm sort of a coach that people trust and, and go to. I love this. What do you think you've learned in the process of taking such a multifaceted background and funneling all of that energy into the coaching and the success you've had so far? What have I learned, like specifically or just (laughs) in the large scale? It could be a general (laughs) lesson. It could be a very specific moment. It could be whatever you want it to be. (laughs) I guess the big lesson is you really don't know where life is going to lead you. Like every time I felt like I was disappointing myself and failing, it's led me to where I'm ultimately supposed to be. So those moments of like this is shameful, I'm failing, have ultimately gotten me to a place that have been so exciting and interesting and cool and where I've grown as a person. So I think, you know, if you can remove that feeling of I'm failing and think about like, no, where am I going next? It actually really does help you a lot. Absolutely. Can you talk a little bit about what made you leave the casting field? Like some of the things that you didn't like about it that you um, were able to reshape within your coaching? Yeah, look, I mean, casting is an incredible job. I loved it, but it is a small percentage working with actors, right? You get to be mm-hmm. in session with actors and then you're also dealing with your producers and your director, you're managing personalities, you're doing a lot of clerical work, you're making lists, you're you know, sending things off for approval, you're getting pushback from the studio and the network, you're doing a, a network pilot, which is the worst experience ever. And I just didn't want to push that rock uphill anymore. Like, I I just didn't want to. I didn't want the stress or the pressure. I think casting directors are the most incredible people in the world. And the ones that can survive and keep doing it have more tenacity than I do. I just wanted to work with actors. That's all I wanted to do. I, I, I couldn't do that anymore. And through your background as a casting director, like what mistakes have you been able to see actors make? And especially because like we all know in this field, there's a ton of rejection. Like how have you seen actors, I guess, like handle that effectively as well? 
look, I don't know how you handle rejection effectively. Like, I, I don't think anyone does. I think if you don't personalize it, it, it's better, but it's a really hard needle to thread because you have to care about what you're doing. You have to put your heart and soul into it. And if you don't, you shouldn't be acting, right? Like you, you have right. to passionately care about this job. So the rejection is personal. But I also think that you don't get a lot of rejection as an actor. You get a lot of like nothingness. You get a lot of purgatory. Like mm -hmm. actors never hear no, ever. Nobody picks up the phone and calls them and is like, you did not get this job. You have to be really far along the line to actually hear that. You have to be like studio testing to get that. So I think that's the thing that actors have to learn to cope with is that they hear nothing, like just radio silence for their entire career. I think, you know, what I've learned about, you know, what goes on in the rooms is that actors tend to put forward the same audition. If you are casting a role and the role is like, you know, 25 year old girl next door, blah, 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 you're going to see 12 identical auditions and then one that's cool and interesting. So that's sort of what I've taken to my business now is that how do I get actors to actually stop trying to guess what casting wants and start making their own decisions? Because when you're trying to guess, you're always going to fail. Well, now I want to know if you have any tips on making it an interesting audition. Hey, <laughs> right. Well, that's my job, right? Like, yeah. to help them create interesting auditions. I have endless numbers of tips. <laughs> and go on. Right, top five. What are the top five? Oh, three. <laughs> that's what I do as a coach. That is that is exactly what I do. Is I help actors individually find their way to unique and interesting choices. But could I tell you right now what makes your audition interesting and individual and unique without seeing sides, without knowing you as an actor? That yeah. would be ridiculous. Like, I don't know what the audition is or who you are. Like, that would just be a vague bullshit piece of advice. Yeah. I love how curated and specific it is, though, your approach, because yes. there is not a one size fits all solution to anything that we're doing. I mean, yeah, it is so. Not. And it, it's one of the reasons why I didn't teach acting class for a really long time. I think I had my business for five years before I actually opened up a group class because I could not mm. figure out a couple things. One, how do you take a curated individual approach and put it on a group? Because I don't have 13 steps for creating an acting performance. And two, right. I didn't want to open a class until I knew how to bridge the gap between acting and auditioning. Because there are so many acting classes out there and my clients would come in, they'd be like, well, I fucking crushed it in class last night. And then at the audition, I fell flat on my face because class is this supportive environment where you're working on a scene for a few weeks and you have your scene partner and you get to go over it and you know what's going to happen. And auditions are so different than that. So yeah, it's been tricky to go deal with both of those things. So it took me about five years to figure out how I was going to deal with that. And now I do have a group class, but it's very different from a lot of the other group classes out there. So um, this year, and I mean, this is kind of a particular question, but so I started graduate school and in graduate school, we have a directing for actors class. And in this class, the one thing that I heard all of these up and coming directors start talking about was that like, they want to see interesting choices. They want people to stand out in the room, exactly the approach that you teach your actors, but also like 
how do you hone in on the material while also making interesting choices? Because like the feedback that my classmates would talked about is like, they want you to, um, you know, honor who the character is, but still come in with doing something that stands out from other people. How do you think you reduce the fear in actors to be able to do both and allow themselves to explore? I think when actors here make an interesting choice, make a bold choice, they think, I'm going to make this girl next door a serial killer. Like, I think they just in their minds are like, I'm going to make the biggest, craziest possible choice I can make. And I don't think that's what anyone is saying. I've talked to hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of showrunners and producers and casting directors about this. Nobody is saying, make the character crazy. What they're saying is within the black and white guidelines the writers give you, make choices. So you do have a safety net. You have this blueprint they're giving you. So if it's, again, if it says, you know, she's 25, she's from California, she's smart and funny and in graduate school and all this stuff, and she's talking to her boyfriend, you're not going to make the conversation with her sister and she's 50 and she's on the moon right? So within that safety net, that's where you make those choices. And I think actors get really mm. fucked up about that. They're like, nope, changing everything. And you don't. You take these black and white words and then you make those choices. Uh, I love this strategy. It sounds so practical and easy. My goodness. But then when you do it and implement it, it's like, oh, but I guess it is. It's like learning a language, right? Learning that fluency and adaptability between the choices that one needs to make as well as the framework that you're provided by mm -hmm. the writer. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, I feel refreshed. My brain. Oh. <laughs> well, that's the perfect way to be mid podcast episode, Alejandro. And um, Sam, so for you, now that there's a strike going on, how have you been able to keep your actors like cool and still feeling stimulated during this time? Like, I think we're all feeling so scared. Like, what are some things that you've been doing to stay afloat right now and keeping the community that you've built afloat? A couple of things. Like, I obviously don't have actors auditioning right now, but I have actors who are in movies that have waivers. I have soap actors. Mm -hmm. I have a lot of things going on. But for my actors who have been panicking, um, we are doing a lot of ongoing prep work, a lot of, you know, um, process work, a lot of like, you know, how when when we come back from this, how are you going to be most prepared? So there's that. It's a really good time to learn what you don't know about the industry to like make sure that all your bases are covered. Everybody is saying like take this time to figure out your materials. Like I'm sure everybody's already done that. I'm sure you've looked at your materials. You're fine, right? Um, and then in general, like I post videos for actors just to make sure that everybody understands what's going on. What are the do's and the don'ts? What are the facts and the you know the bullshit advice that's out there? So unless actors come to me and they're like, this is what I want to work on the way that I help actors is basically by just giving out free advice. So helpful. Good. I'm glad. <laughs> I wanted to know what were some of the, well, how have, how have your experiences as a casting director shaped how you view your approach as well as what your vision is for your students? When you've been behind that door and you've seen the conversations, I think now I have that, I, I know for a fact what casting wants from actors. And it's, it's not that guessing game. It's that we want you to come in and put your stamp on a wall. I think a lot of acting coaches haven't necessarily been on that other side. 
right? Which is mm -hmm. fine. By the way, like I am not saying you need to coach with the casting director. You coach with whoever makes you feel comfortable and pushes you and is the right fit for you. I think with acting teachers, coaches, whatever, it's your personal safety net, right? But because I've been in those conversations, I know that we are really asking actors to come in and do their own thing. Even if it's wrong, even if you fall flat on your face, they will remember you for the next audition. And I think there's an ability now to take what I've learned as a casting director and bring it to coaching. Also, I truly believe that all actors work differently. So I would never ever make them do anything in terms of process. I think it's about finding your own process. So that's mostly what I do is finding the way actors work as humans and translating it to a process for them. I love what you said about failing too, because I feel like learning from failure or stumbling and picking up the pieces is the best way to continue growing. But on a lighter note, do you have any fun or wild stories that uh, you have from your days as a casting director? Or yeah. horror. Or yeah. horror stories too. We, yeah, um, we were reading this role that was like a, I don't know, a two-line co-star. And this guy comes in fully dressed, like lab coach, like he's ready to go. He comes in, I'm with my assistant, and it turns into like a 10 minute, like the, the line is like, we're losing him, he's bleeding. Turns into like a 10 minute audition and he's like pumping and sweating and like adding lines and whatever. And he takes a pen out of his pocket. I'm like, oh, go to prop. And then all of a sudden, we are covered in blood. There's blood on the ceiling, <gasps> blood on me, blood on him. <laughs> oh and he had sprayed God. fake blood everywhere to make it feel like the patient was actually bleeding. And then he stops and he goes, yeah. And he just walks out of the door. Oh, hell and no. I was laughing so hard my assistant had turned around to face the back of the room because he was so mortified and then we had to call the actor's agent and be like he has to come in and paint our office this weekend because this is completely unacceptable yeah so in conclusion that's that's a big don't <laughs> oh my god i mean i love a good prop but that's so intense that is so wild intense. that reminds me of the adams family when they what is it wednesday or uh whoever it is that uh, cuts off the arm and then sprays the blood all over the audience. Yeah, that's exactly this? what it was, like fake blood <laughs> spraying everywhere. So did he come in and clean the office? He didn't know if he paid someone, but the office did get painted. Oh so. my God. Yes. Ooh. So I think when actors are like, make a big choice, like that's what they're thinking of, but that is yeah. not necessarily the way to go about it. That's not the, the way we want you to go. It's not unique. <laughs> it is unique, I guess, but just not the way you want it to be. Yeah, I've never seen props really succeed in that way. Like, you know, some actors are really good at using them. Some actors, like, have it down to a science, and it, it's really natural. But most of the time, it feels kind of ridiculous when people pull out their cigarette or their blood or their banana. Like, it just always feels proppy. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that the important thing to remember, at least that I've tried to instill in myself for auditions, is that even if, like, you know that you're not right for the role, like, if, you know, it's way too old for you or way too young for you, like, auditioning is such a privilege and such an opportunity, and it still allows you to make an impression in that casting office. Yeah. And I do think that's so important is that, like, nothing is a wasted opportunity. And I'm sure you feel this all the time with your clients. Like, if you know that 
they might not be right for that role just because of a hair color or because they're matching a family. You know, it's still important to go in and make interesting choices and do the best you can because you're still building a relationship. Unless you have a moral opposition to a role, unless you absolutely hate it, I think actors should audition for most of the stuff they get called in for for that very reason. Like, you don't know what that producer, that casting director, whatever, has in mind or has coming up down the line. And just because you don't feel you're right doesn't mean that they didn't open up the role or change the series regulars or whatever. You have no idea what's going on in the casting process, pilots. Pilots are such a long process. We had a, a role once where it started out as a 65-year-old, morbidly obese man ended up as a 20-year-old stand-up comedian. Like, And we never changed the breakdown. So hmm. you never know. Wow. I never know, but I, it reminds me of moments where I kind of get frustrated by the silence. And you spoke about this earlier, where... You know, we, we audition, we, we go for whatever is thrown at us. And even if it doesn't fit, um, you know, it is cool to, you know, get an email from the agent to, to, and say, oh, I, I could try this out. And when I first got signed with, with that commercial agency, it was interesting because I was just like, well, at first I was like, what's the point? What, why? I'm just going to get no or not, not even a no. I'm just going to get silenced from yeah. whoever it is that I'm submitting to. But I've noticed like over time, it's gotten easier to be like, well, it's just going to be quiet. So I can just go for whatever I think is yeah. fun and best. And just, I don't know, having fun with a lot of this stuff has been really rewarding and yes. it leaves room to not feel so uh, negative or sticky about any sort of situation that doesn't go as planned. But yeah. yeah, I think that having fun is a really important part of it too. Yeah. And I'll tell you, casting directors rely on the actors who do things like that. Like when when I was still a casting director, there were my go-to actors who I would bring in because they would break up a session for me. Like if casting is seeing a role over and over and over again, and they're, the producers are not getting what they want, they usually ask casting to see more actors. And more isn't better. What they need is they need someone to like shake them out of their rut. And there are actors yeah. who will do that, who will do something different in the role so that the producers can say, oh, that's interesting. That's something new. Because if you're seeing the same thing over and over again, you can't decide what you don't like about it. Totally. Yeah. Well, that makes so much sense. And that's really helpful to casting when you're that person. Right. So 100%. with so much going on, I can't help but imagine there has to be some sort of practice that you implement on a regular basis to, to center or to cleanse the mind, cleanse the energy. Do you have any routines, whether they be in the morning or at night or in the middle of the day that help you stay grounded in the midst of all that you're accomplishing? Yeah, I mean, look, I um, I read a lot of books on Buddhism. I would never be bold enough to call myself a Buddhist, but I do read a lot of books about it because I think the mindset is incredible. So I try to implement as many of those practices as I can. And then I try to do like a five or 10 minute meditation every day. I'm an abject failure at it. I'm someone who like, you know, doesn't do great with it, but I really do try. And then I exercise like everybody else, but really the, the books that I read are, you know, so helpful. It's such an incredible mindset. Love and I'm curious for you because, you know, we talked a little bit about how acting can feel sometimes so powerless. Mm -hmm. How do you find the best ways to empower your actors are to feel more in control over their careers? 
you know, knowledge, it's, it's such a, obviously it's such a, a, an old thing to say that knowledge is power, but the more you know about this industry, the more you understand what's going on behind closed doors. And it is a really hard thing to learn because people don't teach about the industry, they teach about process and acting. But when you understand that if you go in for a one-line co-star, even that one-line co-star is going to casting, producers, studio, network for approval, then you understand that it's not about you, right? When you understand what happens when you're submitted on Breakdown Express and how that process works and who owns Breakdown Express and what's the difference between Breakdown and Actors Access, like when you understand all of that, you are empowered over your own career. And I think that is the most important thing an actor can do other than be really good at acting. Right, for sure. And for your actors who have been in the industry for a long time, but still aren't getting booked, how do you advise them to stay at it? And especially for you who, you know, made that hard decision to not continue to pursue a career in acting. Like, do you think that there is a time when it's a good point to look at yourself and say, okay, maybe this isn't for me? It's really hard to make blanket statements like that. Like for my clients who have been in the industry a long time, who have been series regulars and leads in movies, and now they're in a place where they're not working, you know, is it a matter of like changing representation? Is it a matter of something they're doing? Do they need to reintroduce themselves? If you've been in the industry a long time and you've never worked, you know, is that a different situation? Are you, you know, are you not working hard enough? Are you, do you need to work on your acting? Like, I don't know that there is like, okay, if you've done X, Y, and Z, then you should quit. I also don't think there's a timestamp on becoming an actor. Some people take 40 years. Some people, I, I have a client who number one audition became a series regular on a show. Like there's wow. no timeline here. I think for actors, if you don't love it, if you don't love it and you're finding yourself not able to put the work in, then maybe you should think about it. But there's this whole thing that they say in theater school, like if you can think of yourself doing anything else, then you're not a real actor, which is total bullshit. Like everyone can do multiple things. Everyone can be like a carpenter slash actor or a writer, actor, producer. Like that's crazy. It's just if you don't love it enough because it's a hard career, it's taking a hobby and turning it into a job and figuring out how to support yourself and pay for headshots and all this stuff. And also it's an investment like any other career. If you're a doctor, you go to med school. If you're an actor, you get headshots. Yeah. Definitely. I'm probably having you quote a little bit, one of your many Instagram reels, but can you talk a little bit about what some common acting mistakes are or myths that people feel like they need to do that you can debunk for us live on this podcast? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of them. I think problematically now with the internet, anyone can give out advice. I have a huge problem with my TikTok feed right now because There's about three people who I think are reputable and you should take advice from. And there's everybody else giving out advice who have never worked, who have booked three co-stars, which is amazing, by the way. I would never take that credit away. But giving out advice is if you've been a series regular actor and this, and she literally says it. She's like, I'm giving advice from a series regular point of view when she's not. Like, it is infuriating to see these people giving out advice. And so the kinds of things I see are, you know, the color of your backdrop is the reason why you're not booking. Your reader is the reason why you're not booking. Never wear black in a headshot. Blue books 37% of the time. Like all of these like colors and numbers and guesswork as to why casting, like trying to put 
sort of like mathematical and logical things behind what is an emotional art, right? Casting is totally subjective. It's an art and it's emotional. And casting is one of those jobs that's done the same way, but differently by every office. So the job is the same, but me and my casting colleagues all do it completely differently. So if you're trying mm. to say, if you wear blue, you're going to book 97% of the time, that is total bullshit. There used to be this thing over at Warner Brothers where there were two different backdrops and the camel backdrop was for comedy and the blue backdrop was for drama. At another office, they prefer a gray backdrop. And this is actually like a real example. I had the opportunity to redo my studio. And so I got to put up a curtain and I think your backdrop doesn't matter one bit, but because I tape actors here, I was texting like a lot of my casting director friends being like, Hey guys, I get to put up this curtain. What color should I do? All 10 people I texted gave me a different color. Yep. That's wild. So there is no rhyme or reason here. That is crazy. I've heard the thing about um, casting directors hating sheets. Like no, that you. <laughs> this is like, I have like a curtain behind me. They don't hate it. So funny. Yeah, you hear all of these things. I had a blue sheet and a casting office or something was like, you can never have a sheet as your self-tape backdrop. And then I was scarred, you know? But that's one office. You have to realize what is yeah. specific and what is fact. And there are very right. few things other than don't be a racist piece of shit asshole that is a fact, right? Like those are the kinds of things that you should not do, like be a good human. And everything else is kind of just opinion. Yeah. Yeah, such a good point. Yeah. Um, well, Alejandro, do you feel ready to get into our DM questions or did you have anything Let's else you'd like? Get into the DMs. Hey. Let's do it. <laughs> Tell us what's the funniest, wildest, most intriguing, or inspiring DM that you've ever received? Okay, I saw that question when you guys uh, emailed me the questions, and I don't have an answer for this. Like oh. I get a lot of DMs, but they're all the same. They're like, you know, how do I get an agent? I mean, I've gotten people like hitting on me, but there's no real like wild DM that I've gotten from people. Truly, okay. I thought well, what about, about okay. yeah, what's a wild ahead. DM that you've sent that you're willing to admit? Is there one oh, that's God. interesting? Or... <laughs> It's not wild, but I DM'd an actor to tell him like how much he meant to me as an actor over the years. Oh, like there's like a few people that have like shaped who I am. And I figured like if I don't tell them, I, I don't know, it's 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 good to let people know how you feel about them. So I DM'd an actor yeah. to be like, I wanted to let you know, like you are so important to me, like just a total fangirl. And he was so nice about it. He wrote back and it just like made my life. <laughs> That is so special. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Can you share what about this actor was so shaping for you? It was like, he's a musical theater person and I grew up like obsessed with musical theater and I had like gone to see a show the night before and I just like thought about like how incredible he was and I was like why don't I just tell him like worst thing that happens is he doesn't write back best thing that happens is he does and I'll leave my husband. You know what I mean? Like that was just all I was thinking. <laughs> 
I absolutely love that. Oh my God. No, and I think that's so important what you said. This is actually like something I really stand by is that I think if somebody says something nice about somebody, you should tell them. Or if you're thinking somebody nice, something nice about somebody, because like we're always in such like negative talk tracks with each other, you know? And I, I think we're always assuming the worst. And I think it's so important that if you think something special about somebody that you share it. So, I mean, along those lines, yes, I totally agree. And the craziest thing that started happening to me is that people come up to me now in public, which is a surreal experience. Mm -hmm. Like it's wild and surreal and laughable, but like it does, it is so sweet to have people say nice things. Like it does make my entire day when that happens because all people are saying is super nice things. And then on that same line is in this industry, we have to ask for a lot of favors. Like that is just what this industry is built on, right? Mm -hmm. And it comes with a, oh shit, right? Like I, I can't do this. I can't ask for this favor. I can't email this person. They're going to laugh at me. First of all, they're not. No one is going to laugh at you because this industry is built on favors. You have no, there's no downside to writing that email or making that phone call and saying like, hey, can you refer me to this person? Hey, can you whatever? Because the other person's either going to say yes or no. And the no isn't going to come with a big black mark through your face. It's just going to come with a no. And my biggest advice for that is what I do when I ask someone for something, I say, hey, can you, you know, jump on a live with me? I would love to talk with you and happily make a donation to the charity of your choice. Like mm. if you make an offer, like a kind offer along with the ask, it does go a really long way. Always creating those win-win situations. Those are powerful. Yes, because who's going to say no to that? Who's going to say no to like, I'm going to make a donation to like, you know, the human rights campaign. And you're like, no. (laughs) (laughs) So our DM of the week asks, what is your favorite part of being an acting coach? Oh God. You know, honestly, my favorite part is watching something click. Like I'll be working with a client for they've, you know, they've been in acting class for 20 years. They've been on a show for 10 years and something isn't quite working and we'll work together for a little bit. And all of a sudden everything settles and they'll just be like, Oh fuck, like that's what it is. And it's different for every actor and it takes us a while to get in there for each person. But when we do, there's this just like shoulders lowering, finally breathing, not so stressed about acting moment. And it's so fun to watch. Like it is like the most rewarding thing I've ever experienced. I love Do you have a story that you can share about like a moment through your coaching experiences that made you feel really fulfilled? Yeah, I had a client come to me. So I work with a lot of the influencers at the larger agencies. So I work with a lot of non-traditional talent, like pop stars and influencers and all these people who are now getting acting auditions because of their name value, which doesn't mean you need to be a social media influencer. They're getting auditions just to audition because of their name value. Anyway, so I specialize in taking non-actors and turning them into actors, Mm -hmm. which is my favorite thing to do because you're basically taking an art form and translating it into another art form. You are a singer, so you tell stories through your song. Let's just figure out how to tell stories another way, right? Models, whatever. Anyway, I had this model who wanted to start acting, loved everything about her. We worked together for never acted, literally never acted, didn't know what it was. We started with like, what is acting? Acting is storytelling, right? We started there. 
a year later, she booked the lead of a pilot. Whoa. Just like a, like a real pilot, like an actual, you know, on a, on a network. And it had nothing to do with me, literally nothing. I do never take credit for my clients. You don't see me posting anything about them. Like this is all you guys and your accomplishments, but it was because she figured out what acting was to her, like what that meant and how she was going to tell a story. And it was the most rewarding thing to watch. Like it was the coolest thing ever. Aww. Oh, that's really beautiful. Mm -hmm. Do you, I'm curious, kind of side note tangent, but I'm good for a tangent. Um, do you come from a family of educators? The way you speak about how you coach and teach, it's just, I, I feel like there might be some sort of familial relation to the education yeah world. i do okay. my mom teaches esl or she taught esl and my dad is a law professor who started the innocence project so no yeah the california innocence project so both of my parents are educators i love it wait can you share a little bit more about the innocence project yeah, so my dad um, is a law professor, or he's a lawyer and a law professor at Cal Western, or was. He retired from there. And they started it as a project for their students. So there was the New York Innocence Project, and then my dad and his partner, Justin, um, his work partner, they started the Innocence Project for their students, and it became this really big thing, and they exonerated a ton. So what it does is it exonerates the wrongfully incarcerated. So if someone's in jail for a crime they didn't commit and now there's DNA evidence to get them out, basically they will submit their crime to the Innocence Project. And I think over the years they've exonerated 20, 30, 40, I, I don't even know anymore. And a lot of the, the crimes are really public. Like you'll see like the Brian Banks story and all these really incredible stories of people who were in jail wrongfully. So the Innocence Project takes their students, their law students, and they work to get these people out of jail. My dad changed a law in the California Supreme Court um, because he needed to get one of his clients out of jail. I am in wow. awe. This is amazing. We're adding the Innocence Project to our link tree. I love in our that. Bio. Every time I post something like a donation thing on my page, the Innocence Project is always on there. Like, look at the Innocence Project. They're incredible. They are. No, I'm really familiar with them, actually, because my mom was a college professor in Philadelphia for a long time, and she worked a lot in the human trafficking space, but she used to come to California, I think, to do some things for the Innocence Project. I have to ask her about it because I know she was bringing in students or something, so I'm really familiar for it, and they do incredible work. Yeah, they really do. I mean, I'm sure I'm speaking on it in like the least educated way ever, but it's a really incredible organization, and if you ever want to yeah. give money, just let me know. <laughs> well, we're going to put it in our link in bio for sure, okay. and make sure that we can talk about it with this episode. <laughs> oh my God, how fantastic. Well, in addition to the Innocence Project, for listeners to follow, please share with everyone how we can stay updated on you, your work, uh, any sort of coaching opportunities that you might be offering either here locally or virtually. So the best way to stay in touch with me, embarrassingly enough, is on TikTok or on Instagram. I got started on that during the pandemic. TikTok came to me and asked me if I would post educational content, and I said no. And then a client of mine was like, no, 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 this is something you need to do. So one of my influencers kind of walked me through how to do it, and my intention was to do it for three months. And then I sort of stumbled into all the misinformation and I've kind of stuck ever since. So what I do is I post tips for actors 
five days a week. And then I have a subscription page on there where I do a little bit more, like I'll give some extra tips. We do lives, we do a couple classes. Every week I teach a business of acting class on Thursdays where I try to give actors the knowledge that they wouldn't ordinarily get like what we were talking about the difference between the studio and the network what the approval process is what's a series regular what's a fractional series regular like all of these things that you don't necessarily learn in your acting class i'm opening up two acting classes acting and audition over zoom one is for intermediate advanced that you have to audition into and then one is for beginning actors that you do not have to audition into my coaching is by professional referral only. So if you wanted to like coach for an audition or you're going to set, you would need a referral from like an agent or a manager or producer. But if you want to have just a career consultation where we look at your headshots and decide to strategize about your career, reach out. That does not need a referral. And that is, I think, everything you need from me. <laughs> Well, don't be surprised if you have people banging down your door via TikTok because I think after this episode, there's going to be a lot of actors who are really interested in working with you. That's right. And what an amazing uh, shift, though, for the coach to be coached and then stumble upon some great material and a whole wealth of knowledge that you can, or knowledge and myths that you can debunk and expand upon. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, that definitely took a lot of coaching. Yeah. <laughs> I am not an internet person. That that is all of things to my friend. Yeah, TikTok is a beast. It's insane, but it's a beast. It is, but I mean, you get a flow, and then it, it starts, you know, working out, and then there's a whole new feature. It's just like, oh, f- what do I do with this now? <laughs> oh, I am so limited in what I can do. I can make one minute videos where I'm staring straight at the camera, and Ooh, like that's literally okay. all I can do. I can duet someone, and I always say, like, I, I don't know how much you've ever seen of my content, which is totally fine, but like, I duet people or stitch people who have misinformation, and I am totally open to them coming back at me like if you are going to do what I do like you have to be willing to take it no one just ever does like I never get any responses to my videos so but I I am fully prepared for them to come back and say why I'm such an asshole like I'm just waiting for it well I I think that most of the people are unqualified too to be saying (laughs) and they're like I'm not gonna go back and do another duet with somebody who's very qualified to be talking about this (laughs) (laughs) one of these days (laughs) I love it (laughs) I don't have TikTok for this reason only is that I, I don't think that I can, you know, stretch myself out to another social media platform because I'm already like with the time limits on Instagram, just like continuously ignoring it throughout the day, you know, so I one, right. Wasn't there just a new one introduced and I like, I'm just yeah. do it. I can't. I know it's crazy. Too many. Too many, but not enough time in the day i would love to continue learning from you oh my god but i'm gonna be checking out all of the info that you shared i will be exploring those virtual classes i'm very very curious it's been a while since i've taken well thank you so much for being here we really appreciate you taking the time and i know our listeners do as well yeah thank you for having me i really appreciate it anytime all right everybody well thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of damsels in the dms that's it. Oh, thank you so much for your time. And do not forget to send us your letters, your voicemails, your, I mean, so send us a voice note, send us a DM. We want your questions. We want to understand what sort of takeaways you're looking for. You know, if our guests are not hitting a specific note, tell us what you want to find out. Tell us 
what other sort of guests might be piquing your interest that we can have on to share their amazing expertise. Absolutely. And please subscribe, rate, and review because that helps us to continue bringing content to you all. And please do that on any uh, podcast platform that you may be listening to us on. And don't forget to check out our link tree. We have the Innocence Project that Sam spoke about today and amazing other resources and books that are listed on our link tree that support the guests that we've had on. So do not forget about the many touch points of interaction that you can have with the damsels in the DMs. Absolutely. <laughs> All right, everybody. Well, it's been another episode of Damsels in the DMs. Until next time. It's going down in the DMs. Bye. Bye. <laughs>